Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 183 of On the Flank. I'm on your host, John George, alongside Joe Kirkpatrick. Say hello, Joe. Hey, everybody. And Joe, it's been a month since we recorded a podcast, basically. I went to London for an Apex Legends tournament. Uh, I've been a busy boy at work, despite the Overwatch offseason happening right now. Uh, but the news has been a-coming. The news has been been a coming as far as like World Cup goes, a new season in game, uh, and the Overwatch League 2023 format being revealed, uh, which we will be going through later in this episode. We have a lot to talk about, Joe, and a lot of takes to share on them because there there are some pretty big changes to the format this year. So, oh yeah, yeah, plenty of plenty of stuff to touch. Oh yeah, definitely. So let's jump right into it. It's a news-heavy episode. We'll also go into um, sort of our recording schedule uh, for the rest of the off-season up until uh, the Pro-Am and the actual regular season starts later. Um, At the end of the episode, we'll let you know what we're doing because, of course, we usually do uh, a lot of team previews, stuff like that. Uh, We want to keep it similar to how we usually do it. but that might require us to do it during some pro-am weekends, which I don't think we mind. It's a preseason event. We're not going to f- be fully seeing these teams and how well they are. And, you know, a lot of teams might be messing around for it, especially in the West where uh, it doesn't count for anything, uh, as opposed to the East where the amateur teams and the pro teams are actually fighting to um, sort of play play in the actual season, which is crazy. We'll go into it more later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but let's stick. Let's start off with in-game news. Of course, since we uh, last recorded, it was still season two in-game, uh, and since then, season three has come, and it started almost two weeks ago now, which is crazy. It are two weeks ago. Wow. Um, but yeah, they wrote. They've been uh, keeping us super updated on developer developer updates, uh, blogs, stuff like that telling us what they didn't like, what they like, basically acknowledging that they hear us, which they have been doing since like last summer, basically, when uh, the Overwatch 2 betas were happening. So, yeah, that's this is just just the life we live now, Joe, um, that the developers <laughs> actually update us uh, continuously. Uh, but if you haven't been paying attention to Overwatch, and maybe you played Overwatch 2, uh, Season 1 and Season 2, and you weren't too impressed and maybe a little upset about some things well in season three they did change a lot of things to make it sort of more favorable for the players and they go through it in the season two retrospective um where they first talked about uh, one of the biggest changes i think in season three which is reintroducing sort of overwatch legacy credits as uh another currency in this game calling them just overwatch credits now no no longer legacy credits and giving them out for free in the battle pass uh these are credits you can use to spend on uh every overwatch one skin doesn't matter what time of year it is uh you can spend it on the halloween skin from 2017 it does not matter it doesn't have to be halloween anymore uh basically it's a less premium currency where you can buy old Overwatch 1 skins that you were able to earn for free previously, and now you can earn them for free once again. Uh, as well as just like uh, highlight intros, uh, emotes, all that stuff, you can also purchase even for the new heroes. So I've already used, when, when the game first came out, I did use my legacy credits to buy uh, a Sojourn highlight intro and stuff like that. So I had her, I had stuff for her. You can still do that. Uh, with the newer heroes as well, Ramatra, Junker Queen, 
uh, Kiriko, all those heroes. Um, doesn't matter. I know they came out in Overwatch 2. You can still get some of their uh, cosmetics with these legacy credits. Uh, and they're all on the free pass. So obviously this is a bit of a step up. It is not like Fortnite level where they're giving out the premium currency on this battle pass where you can then earn uh, the battle pass for the next season through gameplay, which is uh, which is what, in my opinion, the best battle passes do. Uh, but it is something. Joe, what have you thought of this change so far since obviously it's been in effect now for a couple weeks? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a good thing. Definitely a way to increase the um, uh, amount and the degree to which um, old cosmetics and Overwatch World cosmetics are available to players who um, obviously didn't play Overwatch One. Um, obviously, the the biggest criticism then of the change of this change sort of follows in that um, the 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 result is that players who did play Overwatch One and you know presumably uh, had a lot more chances to collect some of these kinds of skins um, don't necessarily have uh, you know there's not a, a corresponding uh, reward for them necessarily. Um, that being said, I think um, the number of people who have you know all of the cosmetics from Overwatch 1 or even all of the cosmetics from Overwatch 1 that they want or that they would like uh, I would assume is pretty low um, just, you know, in in terms of the player base itself um, so that's, de- that's definitely you know, a good thing and uh, you mentioned, yeah, 1500 credits in the in the free battle pass um, and another 500 uh, in the premium pass so they they price that up very explicitly so that as well as adjusting some of the prices of uh, legendary uh, what they're referring to as hero gallery skins um, so that um, basically if you complete the free battle pass um, every season you can get a um, you'll have enough new credits for a um, hero gallery legendary skin uh, which is not nothing as far as that goes, and that's you know another step towards their um, stated goal of increasing the ways in which you can um, you know play to earn those kinds of cosmetics. Um, a lot of the other things in this, um, again, this blog post about the season two retrospective are you know now less relevant because season three has arrived, um, uh, but they they did come in on how how good it was and how uh, positive the response was to the Battle for Olympus event uh, and um, custom mode that existed, um, you know, more updates on all of the the many and at sometimes non-specific things that they're doing for uh, competitive modes, <laughs> you know, to improve those um, and those kinds of things too. Yeah, as well as like talking about the limited, limited time events, that was something that me and you talked about on this podcast, like they clearly with season two with, with uh, sort of the quantity of events over quality for sure. They even mentioned that that they understand that maybe older players are a little underwhelmed with, with all these events, especially Winter Wonderland and Lunar New Year, two events that we've gotten, like, however many times, how many years has it been, man? It's been so long. <laughs> however oh, many yeah. times we've gotten those events, so. I mean, this may be at least number six, probably. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they acknowledge, like, yeah, that might be a little underwhelming for older players, so Maybe we should, you know, give them more of an incentive, more reward, more, you know, diff, uh, sort of giving different events out. The the Olympus event was super fun. I agree, but the those two were super underwhelming. Winter Wonderland and Lunar New Year, more particularly because we've already lived through it many times at this point. 
um, yeah, that, that was a cool little blog. Of course, we ended up getting a lot of the changes they talked about in the blog, uh, but it is worth uh, noting that a lot of these were like including the um, making making the game more rewarding for free players. A lot of these were looking past season three as well. They mentioned like they're reintroducing the uh, hero credits, but also going forward, they're going to introduce even more ways um, for free players to feel like they are progressing and earning stuff throughout the game. So yeah, this is a general consensus going forward. This isn't like the final solution for any of this stuff. They are going to continue to build on build on to those solutions they made um but yeah with the, with the season two look back we can go into season three and the patch notes and uh talk about all the changes they made it's super fun getting these big season updates joe that's what i gotta say i i think it's super fun to get a brand new like meta alongside a new map in antarctica um brand new skins uh, yeah, just a bunch of bunch of fun stuff. Uh, it's been two weeks, so I imagine most people know what the changes are. But Joe, if you want to go through some of the most impactful changes, I guess, in your opinion, in these patch notes. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, yeah, it has been a couple weeks now. But um, we got all kinds of things uh, in Season 3 from the new control map, uh, Antarctic Peninsula, uh, which is super interesting i <laughs> had the chance to look through that a couple times um uh definitely an interesting look um we got the um the new season three mythic um amaterasu kiriko skin um that that's probably somebody has earned by now <laughs> if i had to guess somehow <laughs> um but you gotta you gotta you know make your way up there um they talked about all the the new um, uh, limited time events, like we were just talking about, leaning into that a little bit more um, here in in season three. So right now, um, and since February fourteenth, we've got this ultimate Valentine event going on, um, where you can jump in and play a new uh, Hanzo. I believe it's some variant of deathmatch game mode. Um, uh, they have the the dating sim you can go online and um play through and get some cosmetics from and all that um and we'll touch on some of the rest of the stuff here but in terms of the patch notes um this uh, launch of season three launched a uh, st or launched with a streamer protect mode uh to hide some uh, player information while you're streaming uh, in case that's relevant for you um the uh, workshop is back now in Overwatch 2 uh, that had been disabled um, since the end of Overwatch 1, um, but that exists now. Uh, if you didn't earn or pay for Ramatra in Season 2, uh, there are now uh, Ramatra Unlock Challenges um, for you to be able to unlock him um, in a very similar way as um, Kiriko after that Season 2 uh, with some um, uh, gameplay challenges and those kinds of things. So that's definitely cool. Um, let's see. Uh, those kinds of things. They made some adjustments to uh, Mystery Heroes and some arcade modes where uh, there is now a uh, maximum of three heroes per role in Mystery Heroes, so you can't have five supports anymore. Uh, as well as in some, again, some other arcade game modes, uh, lots of tank health was uh, nerfed. Uh, actually, I believe it was every tank hero lost like a flat 150 HP. 
um, if I remember correctly, it looks to be the case, um, in uh, what they describe as non-roll queue modes. Um, Supposedly for balance reasons, like if you're, you know, playing, you know, a tank in deathmatch, like the high health can be, um, you know, prohibitive for other players to play against you. But it's definitely an interesting change that I don't know if many people who were asking for is <laughs> probably fair to say. Mm. <laughs> um, but we did definitely see that as well. Um, the other sort of overall change before we get into individual hero. Uh, changes would be that the uh, ult charge that you keep when you swap between heroes uh, used to be up to 30% ult charge. Uh, now it's been tuned down a little bit to 25%. Um, and some uh, other ultimate um, generation rates have been uh, slightly tuned up or down. Um, um, and the, the dev notes appear to indicate that those are you know related in some ways. Um, so that's relevant there. As far as um, you know, individual hero changes uh, amongst all of the uh, tank health adjustments, um, Junker Queen actually got an extra 25 health uh, for what that's worth, um, um, and Arash's Annihilation uh, now has a max cap of 20 seconds, uh, as well as its cost increased. Uh, so you're not going to have you know an infinite. Uh, control point contest situation with a Ramatra mirror, which is kind of nice. Um, let's see, Ryan got a change where his Earth Shatter deals uh, less damage, uh, but more knockdown, um, and the Fire Strike was buffed. Um, you can now do a, uh, for example, Baptiste Window Fire Strike to deal 200 damage, where that didn't uh, used to be possible here in the earlier stages of Overwatch 2. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, let's see. Uh, Roadhog, uh, the whole hog, actually got a duration increased uh, with the dev comments saying that now that um, that's a you know manual choice to shoot off the the gun during whole hog or not. Um, you know if you if you're not doing that, you're effectively losing a large portion of your ultimate. So they wanted to increase that duration a little bit to compensate so that you can. Uh, use your vape, for example, without um, wasting the ultimate. Um, as far as that goes, um, and Wrecking Ball uh, got an interesting change too, where his uh, um, uh, base health was decreased. Uh, he only has uh, 450 health now, um, in even in these roll queue modes, and down to 300 in non-roll queue. Um, but it was replaced with shields instead. Uh, so now he has blue health in addition to his armor and white health. Um, uh, and the uh, arm, the time that it takes to arm to his mines after you um, use that ultimate uh, and activate the minefield has been reduced from one and a half to one seconds. Excuse me, one seconds. Um, which is pretty significant. I mean, that's like a third of the... Uh, uh, you know, a, th a third of the time, 33% uh, time reduction there in terms of change to Wrecking Ball. Um, lots of other heroes got little kinds of passes to try to, to speed up just a little bit. Um, uh, Junkrat's Concussion Mine um, has a lower maximum damage now, 100 down from 120. Uh, Soldier got a buff uh, where his recoil was reduced and 
um, the number of shots to reach max recoil was increased um, as far as that goes and um, Torbjorn's turret and Widowmaker both got health nerfs um, <laughs> to where his turret is uh, 225 health uh, Widowmaker is 175 health um, so a little bit more squishy than uh, uh, each of them used to be uh, I guess the last significant one is Mercy I believe um, who obviously has been getting a lot of changes here on Overwatch 2 back and forth it seems like um, uh, in this case the healing per second of her heal staff has been reduced um, but the speed is increased by 50% if your ally is under half health uh, so basically that's now more effective um, on lower HP enemies than um, higher HP enemies and more effective on lower HP enemies than it was before this change um, and Mercy now heals 25% uh, to herself of all the healing that she does with her primary fire uh, without um, without now gaining the unique extra benefit of uh, the passive healing where that used to be that you know all sports could do that but Mercy did it a little better um, now that is no longer um, uh, the Gates and Kitten said she gets self-healing from her primary fire um, Again, most of this you probably discovered by now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of changes, you know. Maybe it, it, yeah, people probably missed out. You're just playing with it, you know. Uh, hard to, hard to tell sometimes, but honestly, there's been like it. it the, the result is just a huge shakeup on the meta, which is super fun to see. Uh, we actually feel like we're in a place where Kiriko and Sojourn aren't like must picks, which is very fun. Uh, yeah, everything everything so far still feels fresh and new to me. Wrecking Ball is actually playable and might be one of the best tanks. That's crazy. Uh, you still have to be really good at him, though. Yeah, it's just been a super fun time. Reinhardt's actually pretty good, too. Yeah, it's been it's been a super fun, super fun time. Ramatra doesn't feel absolutely busted anymore. I mean, yeah, uh... Good balance changes, in my opinion. I think this is one of the best patches they've ever had. I, and that's not. I don't think I'm being uh, clickbaity or sensational here. I sensationalizing it. I truly believe this is one of the best patches they've ever had. I don't have, I don't have any complaints to be honest. So, uh, besides ones that they should still eventually make, uh, which they will, and they have, they have acknowledged at this point. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good patch. Um, yeah. Other things that came with season three, just on that <laughs> big list, uh, we did get a new set of owl skins uh, that came through. Um, so that Angel of Death Widowmaker skin, um, the MMA uh, <laughs> uh, May melee skin from I believe last year, uh, Pirate Ship Bastion, Harwares, Ana. Those are all now available through March seventh with your uh, Overwatch League tokens. Um, the Twitch drops are back. Um, if you're listening to this podcast right after we put it up, you have just a little bit of time to watch for six hours and get some Ash cosmetics. But starting on the 28th, um, there are a couple Reinhardt themed ones, um, and on uh, starting on March 21st, there are I don't remember who that Commando spray is for, but then a general uh, Blackwatch logo uh, weapon charm as well. Nice. Um, 
and again, after this Valentine's event through the 28th, we have um, the One Punch Man collaboration of from 3-7 to 4-6, uh, and uh, the return of Pachimarchi uh, and that uh, Roadhog skin that we got, um, and maybe other stuff, but at least that Roadhog skin uh, on March 21st. Hopefully another skin. That'd be fun. Um, you'd think they would do another skin. Uh, learning from their last events where doing old skins is not enough, but who knows? Uh, the the Valentine event's super fun. Uh, if you haven't been participating, I don't think the uh, actual the like game mode in game is too fun. It's just like Hanzo's deathmatch versus team deathmatch with Scatter Arrow back. And after a couple yeah. games, you just remember how much you hated Scatter Arrow. Um, <laughs> but they have like a little uh, date simulator uh, in. It's a web browser game, and that's super fun. It's super funny, super well written, uh, and just like a super meta. Uh, d- dating simulator that's just just very fun to go through honestly um yeah that, that one that one punch man event is absolutely huge doomfist skin of course there's also soldier skin that has been announced i haven't watched one punch man so i don't know the characters uh but soldier skin that is the free skin uh that everyone will get uh, but yeah it, you're assuming that uh, this will definitely be an expensive event. I, I think if you are you are setting yourself up for some ma- major disappointment, if you think this One Punch Man Doomfist skin will be earnable or free in any way, it will cost you money. Um, as I imagine, it cost Overwatch a lot of money to get this uh, partnership. So that's true. Yeah. Um, I just thought of something and I lost it. I don't know, but yes, the <laughs> yeah the, the collaboration definitely be interesting, um, and there'll be a lot of uh, uh, lots of skins available and lots of uh, stuff that if you're into that, um, it's, I mean it's really this is the first kind of thing, the first time that Overwatch has done has this kind of thing before too. Yeah, I'm really interested to see where they go with pricing on it if they're going to treat it like a Valorant gun drop where they just bundle all these one punch man skins together maybe it's like four or five and they make it cost like 70 bucks like a valorant skin drop or if they allow you to buy them individually i guess they do allow you to buy them individually for valorant as well um yeah they do if you go in the pack you can you can actually buy the guns individually if you want um so i'm interested to see how they do it it if they give like a big bundle option or what they're going to do for, for those big one punch man fans, I just want the Doomfist one. I don't know any other one punch man characters besides one punch man. So I don't think I'm going to be too interested in the other ones unless they look cool. Um, but the Doomfist skins dope. And I feel like I, I feel like I want to cop it for sure. So. All right. Um, Let's head into some World Cup updates. If you didn't know, Overwatch World Cup trials are happening right now. And I believe trials, uh, if you if you haven't been paying attention, I clearly have barely been paying attention. I believe the trials are just to, uh, they're almost a form of trying out, I guess. You, you sort of have your own team. You can trial and then like winners or whoever does well in the tournament get a chance to try out for the actual World Cup team. Uh, and obviously I imagine the GMs that have all... I believe all have been announced at this point are all watching um, are all watching this event to see if there are any sleeper uh, players they want to pick up. Of course, teams like America or Korea, I believe they already know who they're going to be picking up or they have a good idea. Uh, they're all Overwatch League players, but you do have countries 
that, uh, you know, don't have five Overwatch League players and, and do need to watch these trials, uh, do need to uh, pick out the best players for their countries. So very important for all those. But uh, as far as what, uh, as far as uh, a regular player goes, if you log in right now, you'll get a nice little weapon charm for the World Cup, and um, you also gain points uh, for your country depending on how much you play and what country you're in. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a similar like season three sort of challenge, similar to like Battle for Olympus type thing. D- do the winners get anything or anything, Joe? Do you know? Um. I think, yeah, there's something about some kind of cosmetic, maybe just for the players from the country, or maybe just for the players on the team. Um, I, well, I didn't include the link here, so I don't, yeah, I don't have that to reference. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was, it certainly wasn't like an everyone thing as far as that goes. Okay. Um, they also announced the wildcard teams because, of course, they did not include uh, some pretty big teams. So these wildcard teams have a chance to fight for their way in. Uh, because the the way they based it was, if you haven't been paying attention, the way they based it was based off of a uh, player base in each country, uh, not top player base, just full player base. How many players uh, are playing in that country? Uh, so of course they announced some wild cards because you have some real countries with some really good players, really good top players that maybe don't have as many players playing Overwatch. Um, and those countries are Denmark, Ireland, Portugal, Finland, Switzerland, and UAE. Uh, so yeah, those six teams will be competing. I think top two, the two two of them make it, Joe. Maybe two. That that sounds correct. Yeah. <laughs> so and I believe um, Denmark and Finland were the teams that everyone were like they should be in it. Uh, so they they should be your favorites to to make it to the wild card if everyone's correct uh, and being upset that they aren't there already. So we'll see if any other team can pull off an upset of sorts. Uh, all right. Uh, next on the list, this was also this was like three or four, three to four weeks ago. Uh, we had another uh, developer sort of blog on competitive matchmaking. This is the second one. Uh, part one was pretty big on how they uh, they basically gave us behind the scenes look on how they are matchmaking in Overwatch Two because it's different from Overwatch One. Uh, they're just giving you a little bit of an update here, pretty much on. Um, there's a big FAQ section and and stuff like that because some people are still curious as to where they what they're doing and where they're going. Um, in season three, this is already effective. They they brought down competitive updates from seven wins to five wins and or twenty losses to fifteen losses, which I think is a great change. Uh, seven wins was just way too much, especially for someone who only plays to like do their daily challenges every day. It's going to take you a week or two. Uh, almost it feels like to even get a competitive update sometimes in certain roles uh so yep they're going to be changing that they also uh, already added a little u- part of the ui where you can check on how many wins you have at any time now which is great you don't have to like dig deep in the stats or like remember uh or wait till after the game you can just do it uh right at the main menu and then uh, they have mentioned in season four, they will have additional information about your current wins and losses on the competitive update screens as well, um, which is great. It's, it seems like they at the beginning of Overwatch 2, they took away too much information is whatever the consensus is from everyone, and they're slowly bringing back some of it. They're trying to figure out exactly what the right amount of info is uh, to sort of strike that balance because I think a lot of people agreed like, 
it does it, something still feel feels bad because they took away a lot of the information to make you feel better uh, about your play session uh, but something still feels bad about it so they're slowly reintroducing some things to like see if that helps because i think i agree with most people taking away too much information does feel bad uh you definitely want still you still want some information in there um especially like when you get a rank update after like a week and a half and you go down and you're like really i did poorly i don't remember at all <laughs> uh, it would be nice to like see when you get a competitive update oh it's because you went five and eight or whatever because sometimes you just don't remember uh since your last competitive update how well you're doing and stuff like that so uh, it feels bad when you don't have the information obviously you're like wait why why did why did i rank down i don't remember um so yeah anything else from this article joe that i didn't touch on or missed um yeah i think that's that's about it as far as the summary goes um obviously it, it's it's been hard like i can i can tell you know just like community sentiment that it's been hard to um you know hear these kinds of updates um and feel like um you know when whether or not it's actually the case but feel like it's really hard to see these kinds of changes going to effect i mean you know some of them in terms of the the wins and loss change and that kind of thing um definitely it's easier to see than others um you know the the changes they're making the matchmaking the the ways in which they're trying to fine-tune that process um it, it seems to me sort of by design is not really going to be appreciable by you know any one individual player um and so it's it's you know unfortunate for the sake of um the, you know the dev team in terms of like the 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 changes that they're making you know we can only assume that you know they are making a bunch of changes um uh, like I said, I imagine from any one player's perspective, it's, it's hard to see uh, the effects, but hopefully the the net effects, uh, and it sounds like they're going to continue to share this kind of information with us, um, uh, really does end up, you know, remaining to be worth it. Oh, yeah. Um, and a lot, a lot of those changes are still invisible, and obviously at the beginning of this patch as well, like, you had top 500 players matching with, like, some some plat players and stuff like that and everyone was confused and then um uh aaron keller ended up tweeting out like hey we just fixed this thing where uh there was a big bug where some low rank players would be playing were being placed in high rank games uh and that should be fixed by now which is great because everyone was confused once again and they were like is this seriously the direction they are taking what what is happening um yeah uh so yeah, it seems like the the matchmaker is. We're gonna have to be a little patient with it because uh, seems like it it's it's hard to hard to exactly pin down for these developers right now, uh, and they're clearly making changes to it constantly, trying to perfect it. So, yeah, I think a lot of especially with the pros, I've seen a lot of complaints like, why didn't we just keep the old competitive? Like it was fine. Why are we changing things? And uh, yeah, it seems like they're almost just going back to the way it used to be, which is what a lot of people, especially high-ranked players, want. So uh, we'll see uh, how far they're willing to take it. Um, all right. They had a new defense matrix update. I actually did not see this article, Joe. Um, yeah. Again, coming out just right before this uh, uh, season three um, so several of those changes have have gone through already. Um, whether that's um, you know the 
continued rolling out of this uh, voice chat technology that they were talking about even um, before season one, um, more custom game moderation tools as well as the launch of the workshop. Um, that streamer protection mode, uh, again, including sort of like a randomly delayed uh, queue pop, which I thought was interesting. You know, like if you're watching and waiting to, you know, click the competitive button the same as same time as your streamer does, that, uh, you know, won't be effective. Um, um, and, and, and those kinds of things, as well as a... Uh, um, the, interestingly, uh, this is they'll be identifying players who willingly group up regularly uh, with those flagged for cheating. Um, so th that'll be uh, um, an issue as well. Dang. Okay. Cool. Yeah, the streamer mode seems cool. It seems like some streamers want them want them to add a little bit more, which I think they're willing to do. Uh, but yeah, it, it's good they're starting to <clears throat> starting to protect for streamers like so many other games do, because uh, they're sick of getting uh, stream sniped. Which is happens uh, more often than than people would like it to. Um, all right, and then we got uh, might have mentioned this a little earlier in the show. Aaron Keller uh, with with his director's take, a little bonus uh, bonus thing. Uh, he mentions Matt Pools going away. Um, I mean, this is just it's great to see all this show. <laughs> it's great to see immediate response for things we don't like, and Matt Pools was one of those things. That we were like, why? Why are there map pools? Why do they need to be map pools? Um, and Aaron Keller has acknowledged here in this article, yeah, uh, I, we wanted map pools, but you're right. We, we don't really need to have map pools that badly. Um, yeah, everyone wants just a large variety in the maps. There's There are a lot of maps, but it's just super, super nice. So, yep, um, map pools are, are gone, which is great. Uh, he also oh, yeah. he also mentioned that um, push at the beginning of Overwatch 2 push had like a little bit of a higher a higher rate of encountering and they have fixed that apparently it was a bug uh, stuff like that um, and they're also changing event challenges to not rely as much they already did this for the Valentine's Day which is great uh, not rely as much on the event mode. Some people don't want to have to play, um, like, Capture the Flag and Lunar New Year and all this stuff that they don't really like in order to get the skins and stuff like that. They want to just be able to play normal Overwatch and earn them. Uh, they are listening to that, and they uh, have done it. So they, they've already fixed that. Um, so good to give a, get a little update uh, from Aaron Keller there. Uh, and he, he did another one a week later. <laughs> so yeah yeah <laughs> um what do you talk about on this one i didn't even see this one yeah just more updates um um you know talking about uh there will be a, a mid-season season three balance patch um uh they're looking to streamline the arcade a little bit uh he's a short term reducing the number of cards rolling some game modes together in a rotating queue or both um, because the more cards exist, um, just overall in the game, let alone within arcade modes, um, the more people are queuing for different things, uh, and so the longer queue times are. Um, so making some adjustments to that, um, as well as the, uh, some, as he describes it, development values around, uh, collaborations like this upcoming One Punch Man collaboration, um, 
Uh, he says the the skins are still heroes wearing a costume of a One Punch Man character. They still look like our heroes on the battlefield. They still sound like our heroes. Um, uh, our intent is to integrate other characters, but not to replace our heroes. Um, which I feel like is is pretty valuable as far as that goes. The uh, um, you know I mean they, they I remember hearing interviews in Overwatch one time um, talking about the the ways in which you know they have to be really um or and they were really intentional about uh you know making sure each hero's silhouette was unique and each hero's sound was unique and like you could tell um you know who they were at a glance through a wall you know um and and so maintaining that even with these uh you know cross promotions uh it's definitely gonna be super valuable oh yeah absolutely i agree uh, I'm glad they're just doing costumes. Of course, you can't be a Fortnite here, uh, who just you just play as Iron Man or you play as whoever. Uh, but in Fortnite, you, everyone's the same character, and Overwatch, everyone's different characters. So you just can't do that. Uh, you got to do costumes, which is still great. Like I, yeah, I I'm not mad that Doomfist doesn't just look like One Punch Man now. I I'm glad that he just has a costume on. So, yeah, <clears throat> I think that's the way to go. Uh, but yeah, good develop, good director's takes, uh, as he likes to call it. I think it's good that, uh, you know, Aaron is Aaron Keller is also just like sort of doing his style thing. He's because of course at first he was doing developer updates like Jeff was, and everyone was just sort of upset about it. I think because he just wasn't as good at as Jeff at it. I mean, he's just not uh, as good in front of the camera. So I think he's finding his own little way to do things, which is. Uh, this director's take thing, uh, which I like a lot better for him. Uh, he's clearly more comfortable just writing a little uh, article. So, good. F- That's true. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it in that context, yeah. but um, I mean, however, however works for him. Yeah, I'm sure we appreciate. Yeah, I think I'll you know ma- hearing from him. maybe it gets to less eyes that way because more people are just willing to watch the videos. But yeah, I, I think clearly he wasn't he wasn't uh, he didn't have the most fun doing the developer updates. It seemed. Um. But uh, let's move on to the Overwatch League, where we got the Overwatch League season format announced in a community update video, as well as a community update uh, post on the Overwatch League website, uh, with a nice little graphic of the full schedule for the 2023 season. Uh, Pretty crazy to see um, how we get everything going here. Uh, But the biggest thing is they officially announced that Contenders teams will be competing in the East this year, not only in a Pro-Am type thing, but literally they will be competing against some of the bigger teams here in the Overwatch League uh, with a chance they could win Overwatch League, Joe. Like we could see O2 Blast, which which is the team with the best chance, obviously, win the entire (laughs) league. We could see it. Uh, It's possible. Uh, With the San Francisco Shock, let that happen as their minor league team. I don't know. That that'd be a little embarrassing if their minor league team was able to to win over their actual Overwatch Watch League team. But yeah, <laughs> and as you mentioned that, that would also be super interesting though. Like if suddenly that started to happen, yeah, and then San Francisco Shock Management was like, "Well, actually, I want those players. Uh, we have new signings." Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Which they know. could totally do. They could totally do that. So, uh, yeah, that would be bizarre. <laughs> yeah, uh, they could totally do that. All right. Uh, 
There's a lot. There's a lot new. They, there's a lot changing. Of course, we've had like the same format for like the past two to three ish years. Uh, three years ago was, of course, that like COVID year, and uh, it was like a last second change, and then we sort of just followed that that system and that how we did it for the for the next two years. But this is the first year in a while we've had a really big change to to what's happening. Uh, and yeah, basically they announced that in March we're going to be getting. Uh, our first, our first uh, sort of league play. It's preseason play, and it's the pro am in the West. Uh, it starts at the end of March, March twenty third, and ends at the beginning of April. Um, with sort of a tournament between contenders teams and uh, the pros team, pro teams here in the West, uh, which is, in my opinion, a definite preseason event because I think everyone in NA contenders will get absolutely dumpstered by the top teams in the West. Not to say the bottom teams in the West might have some trouble, as Paris <laughs> has already been having trouble in the World Cup trials. That's right. The Paris Eternal team has been playing in the World Cup trials just to practice, and they lost to two World Cup trials teams. These aren't even contenders teams, Joe. These are World Cup trial teams, just teams that formed to be in the World Cup trials to try out. And Paris Eternal lost to them very embarrassing uh so we might see some contenders teams beat the bottom of na uh, but i certainly think the top of na should absolutely destroy some of these north american contenders teams in my opinion so but that'll still be a super fun event it's nice for contenders to get anything any big event like this let's be honest whether or not they'll be dumpstered uh it will attract more uh talent to contenders because they'll be like oh we actually get to play like in some of these tournaments like this pro-am so i think it's a big a big event um but basically this whole thing's going to be split into two stages uh, we usually have been getting four previously uh we are now getting two stages a spring stage and a summer stage uh spring stage will be each team playing eight games eight qualifier games for the mid-season madness tournament uh, as well as uh, the postseason, of course, because it's a regular season game. Uh, and the top four teams in NA and the top two teams over in the East will make the Midseason Madness uh, tournament, which will be a global tournament LAN event uh, with six teams. And then we will move on to the summer stage. We'll have a little buy in there for World Cup at some point. Uh, but everyone will be playing qualifiers once again. Uh, into uh, playoff play-ins, into playoffs, into grand finals. So, yeah, we'll have uh, a lot happening. The other thing is over in the East, I mentioned this earlier, contenders teams will be competing and playing with uh, the Overwatch League teams. They will have their own little contenders tournaments, sort of sort of opens to uh, allow some teams to make it uh, from South Korea, APAC, and Australia, New Zealand, even. Uh, that's right. So maybe there's an Australian New Zealand contenders team that can make it. Uh, to produce a field of 12 teams, which I believe just means six contenders teams, six uh, Overwatch League teams at this point, right, Joe? Uh, so. That sounds correct. Yeah. Because uh, we'll talk about it later, but the Valiant moved over to NA. So I think there are only six teams left. 
so yeah, six contenders teams, six Overwatch League teams will be competing in the regular season uh, to make it. So both teams have an, or both regions have an even number of teams actually for the first time. Uh, but since some of the uh, it will be technically amateur teams in the Overwatch League East, they are only earning two spots for the midseason madness. Um, yeah, I don't think they announced how many players will or how many teams will be in the actual playoffs yet. Um, but yeah, uh, initial thoughts on this whole, this, this new 2023 format, Joe. It's definitely really interesting. I'm, um, curious. They, they haven't, or at least didn't hear, um, yet address, um, what my question might be, which would be, um, that how much of these, uh, how much of this format change, how much of the way they've, um, you know, reconsidered some of these kinds of changes uh, is due to um, is due to the changes that happens to Overwatch in uh, China, for example, um, over this off season. Uh, how much of that is due to? Um, uh, I think we talked on our last show about the uh, several Overwatch League teams uh, entering into like a collective bargaining process with the league about you know changes that they wanted to see made. Um, uh, either you know whether it's due to that in a positive way or a negative way in terms of like this is a development that's come out of that um, meeting, or conversely, if this is a you know development that the league has decided, well, we've got to you know start diversifying our options um you know comparing our franchises to the other organizations that we have in our ecosystem um or, or where exactly that you know lies I, I, i'd be interested to I, I don't know in what context you know <laughs> who you'd ask for that but um but overall i mean the variety of format um it's definitely going to be a good thing. Um, you know, the trick will just be being able to uh, to follow it and making sure that it's um, you know easy, easily enough understood by uh, you know the community and um, uh, in those kinds of ways. But uh, but yeah, the the number of players that we'll see at this you know top level of competition, this hybrid sort of tier one, tier two. Um, opportunities uh, really can only be a good thing uh, certainly only a good thing for uh, the contenders players in particular um, uh, many of whom will be seeing a lot more of too in the context of the world cup so i mean there i feel like this year will probably um the the average overwatch league viewer at least the average you know even if you only watch the overwatch league and maybe the world cup uh will certainly be exposed to a lot more players and a lot a uh, wider variety of players um, this season than they ever have. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, especially with the World Cup, we finally get to see... I think the World Cup was huge for seeing up-and-coming players, but Overwatch League now will be like that too, like you mentioned, with uh, this Pro-Am as well as just six contenders teams competing in uh, the East this year. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think you mentioned how straightforward it'll be. I think this might be the least straightforward season of Overwatch League yet, which definitely can be tough for uh, casual viewers, um, which I think is a bit of a downside. The other downside is is only two tournaments, and one of those tournaments being Midseason Madness, the other being the playoffs. So, yeah, only two tournaments is definitely disappointing. This might be a little bit because my job is to 
to literally go to all these tournaments and I have such a fun time vlogging with the team. Uh, every time we go to a land, we got to go to Dallas and Hawaii and the playoffs in Anaheim and only having uh, midseason madness and then playoffs is, is definitely a bit disappointing as far as like content with players being together goes. I, I don't know how you don't look at last year and those big events and those, those events being in front of a crowd and with the players all together and you don't, and you say to yourself, we should do less of that next year. That's ridiculous to me. Um, I, I think if I had to guess, it's the World Cup that is forcing that more than anything. I think they are extremely focused on the World Cup because that when the World Cup was around, it was getting better viewership than the actual Overwatch League. And I think they see the World Cup as a higher potential tournament and event. So I, I think maybe this this league schedule is like super based around the world cup and allowing for that to happen. And if you need a break in the middle of the season to allow your players to compete in world cup qualifiers, then that's just what's going to happen is you just, you're not going to have enough time for as many tournaments as you had last year. But I think that's just extremely disappointing uh, to only have one, uh, one tournament and one playoffs. I, I just think it's, we had three regular season tournaments last year, Joe. Uh, now we only have one regular season tournament in the midseason madness. So I think that's extremely disappointing. As well as last year's midseason madness with 12 teams was so much fun. And we they are having it to just six. Um, I, I think having... I, I am... If you've been listening to this podcast for the, the many years we've been doing it now, you know I'm a fan of uh, making people earn their spot in tournaments. Um, by having less teams make it. I still think the midseason madness is not as serious and you can like let 12 teams make it, especially when with only eight qualifier games and 12 teams in your region, there's not going to be an even way. Some teams are going to have uneven schedules. Some teams are going to have way easier schedules to make it in the midseason madness. Um, So it's, it's just straight up still unfair. You have to let more than uh more more than that amount more than four teams from the west make it you're just gonna have to make six or whatever like it's just unfair some teams just might get a tough schedule and when money's on the line that's not fair uh they did not fix that complaint which everyone had last year especially the players like we had a hard schedule we didn't make the tournament we couldn't make money uh like that's not fair um they didn't fix that and now they are letting even less teams make it. Uh, just feels like another slap in the face to me. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a lot of reasons to be extremely disappointed uh, by this season calendar. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's just less exciting than last year. I think they were finally like nailing down what format worked best for Overwatch League, and that was what I think last year was our best iteration yet. And it feels like this is just a step back in my opinion. So yeah, we have literally, I mean, look at the second half of the schedule. We have <clears throat> July through October. We have four months of Overwatch League play with just one tournament in those four months. That's nuts to me. That's just, that's so much time just for one tournament uh, in comparison to where we were last year, uh, where we just play like a month of games and then we'd go to a, to a tournament in the next week. Which is super, which is way more fun, way more fast paced. I think this one's going to drag on a lot more, in my opinion. I think we're going to just be 
it's just going to drag on. We're not going to know where we are by mid-August. We're going to be like, what's happening? Like, there's a big bye week in the middle of August as well. It's like, what? What? What is this? What? Who decided this? It's it's definitely it reeks of World Cup to me. So I'm excited for the World Cup as much as anyone else, but it, it might just make a worse Overwatch League product because of it. Yeah, that's what I got to say. As someone who works in the league, that's what I have to say. It's a little sad for me. But yeah. Yeah, it'll be. We'll definitely have to see how uh, you know that evolves with all these teams, uh, as eventually we'll be <laughs> starting to talk about some teams later in the show. But uh, yeah, it's, there's definitely a lot that we have yet to hear. Uh, a lot we have to let, yet to learn about some of those precise details. Oh yeah, um, they have given us uh, the two like path to pro type things for the West and the East. Of course, in West you actually can't make it to the pros uh but they gave out their qualifiers on how exactly you can make it into the pro-am uh those qualifiers will start uh, at the beginning of march uh in order to get uh, our teams for uh the march 24th pro-am so that should be super fun of course this is not only uh just north american by the way uh european uh middle east africa they also can make it so yeah, we, we will be getting uh, all those teams in the West Pro-Am. And then they also gave out uh, how APAC, uh, Korea, and Australian New Zealand teams can make it into the actual Overwatch League this year. So, yeah, uh, it should be super fun to to see which teams make it. If you want to follow along, all those uh, sort of qualifying events will start uh, at the beginning of March as well, so March March third, so super fun, super fun. I, I'm excited to pay attention to all that stuff. I do like including uh, these amateur teams. I mean, there's a whole another side to talk about where uh, Overwatch League is a franchise league, and I imagine there are definitely some owners and teams that are upset that uh, teams did not that did not pay the obscene amount of money that they paid are being able to earn their right into this into this league but i imagine there's a lot of that going on in the background i don't know much about it i imagine you don't either joe so um we can acknowledge that it's there but we can say yeah i don't i don't know how upset all the teams are and who's upset and uh if you if you heard the news about some team sort of contacting some lawyers to sue the league uh, i think that might give you a hint as to uh, as to if they're upset or not so Seems like they're probably upset. Uh, but yeah, uh, opening day, by the way, is April 27th as well. As something that's a little more fun, let's talk about the new team jerseys for a second, Joe. I think I think we know all of them now because some of them have been leaked. And I think, I think all of them are out there at this point now. I think one of the only teams that didn't get leaked was the Chengdu Hunters, but theirs got announced, if I remember correctly. So I think we've seen them all at this point, if you are on the internet and pay attention to leaks. <laughs> uh, but any favorites for you, Joe, uh, on these new jerseys? Um, yeah, and honestly, the and I'd have to go back and look at them to you know, be precisely sure, but um, I, the, both the uh, new Chengdu one and the new Guangzhou one uh, are both really nice. Um I, I do like the Soul Infernal one as well that has almost like 
uh, if I remember right, it has almost like a cherry blossom motif kind of going on. Um, uh, I'm trying to think about some of the some of the NA ones. Uh, I know uh, San Francisco is going back to their uh, camo kind of thing that they did for their uh, like team second jersey in season two or season three. Um, trying to think of other ones that are cool, but uh, Boston I know is <laughs> people were joking about because it's just like a white shirt that says Boston Uprising. Um, <laughs> Um, but there, there def definitely some interesting ones for sure, because um, of course you know the the season five jerseys you know they they couldn't just keep those they have to have they have to have new jerseys every year. Yeah, they've they've had these last ones for two years. It seems like they're doing a two year pattern type thing here, uh, and yeah, it, seeing them in person, which I've seen a couple of them in person. I think the stripe on the middle is way too low. Um, the the one from last year was at like the right height right on the chest this one's like at the stomach and it looks weird it looks weird to me in my opinion uh which is kind of it's it makes me less likely to wear it i think the uh the jeff staple ones uh were a lot cooler to me because of that uh but there are definitely some stinkers in here the soul dynasty one if you haven't seen it that has soul korea all over it is probably the worst one um it's it's ugly. I think a lot of teams... The issue is, a lot of teams, when they get their opportunity to create these, I think they go too... They go too hard. Um, as in, they try to make them really cool, but at the end of the day, if it's something I want to wear, I don't want it to be complicated. I'm someone who likes something simple, Joe. So the... Boston Uprising jersey that everyone was making fun of I actually really like um, I know it looks like a plain white shirt but they do have the arrows at the bottom that say that say something up or whatever I think that's cool it's something I would actually wear whereas like some of these are so complicated that I'm like it looks cool to look at as a picture but I, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing this because it's weird to wear something that's so complicated to me uh, like the Atlanta Rain one looks really cool. It's got flames and a phoenix. Would I wear it myself? No. I agree with everyone that the Florida Mayhem one looks really cool, but would I wear it? Probably not. I also am, I am not a big fan of how many colors they used on this thing for the Florida Mayhem because they used their pink, their black, their, their light blue. But then in the graphic, for some god-awful reason, they've decided to go with red and not their light blue but it, like they went with Washington Justice colors randomly in the middle of their jersey, and I'm like, why? I don't understand why you decided to have more colors. Personally, I just like simple. I think the design looks cool as like a graphic on a shirt. I'm not a big fan, uh, but I'm with you, Joe. The two, the two you mentioned at the top, the uh, Charge and the Hunters. Those are my two favorites. I really like the Charge one. Just a simple city skyline at the bottom is so cool to me. And the back with a little gradient at the top. Oh, I really like that. That's the one I would consider buying. Um, but yeah, besides that, you have some real stinkers out there, in my opinion. Once once you allow these teams to design their own ones, I think you're going to get a lot more stinkers is the issue. Uh, whereas, of course, the league had previously designed almost all the primary jerseys up to this point. Uh, and I think they were good. They were fine. They were all simple. They were just the colors, and they looked good, especially the staple, the staple one uh, for the past two years were really nice. 
Uh, and I think I, I will be sad to see those ones go. And I'm glad to see they're all on sale. Honestly, I might cop some if they get really cheap. So not to mention, I think the material of those ones are way, way better than this year's. Uh, this is coming from someone who has seen, obviously, our Gladiators one in person at this point. Um, and I really like this, the design of ours. I love our graphic designer, Jason. Shout out to him. He did a great job. Um, but in my opinion, the materials Overwatch League gave us to work with, not as good as the staple jersey from last time. Uh, and they also, and it wasn't on the teams to decide where the middle stripe goes. That was league like deciding. And for some reason, it's just in a really weird spot this year. I don't understand why the league moved down that stripe because it looks even worse in person, in my opinion. So those are my biggest complaints. Um, yeah, but there's some really co- there's still some really cool ones. New York is also a really cool one that I wouldn't wear, but I got to give props because it it is really cool. New York is just really, really good at graphic design and socials. Uh, they suck at everything else, though, uh, of course. So. Yeah, anything else with these jerseys, Joe? Um, I think that's it. I'm trying to think. Um, Any other... Now all, of a, now all of a sudden I'm second-guessing myself. When they announced the design, did they post links that you could buy them yet, or is that TBD? Uh, there are pre-orders up. So everyone posted links, oh, okay. and you can pre-order. Um, yeah, they haven't announced when they're going to come out. I, I imagine before or at the beginning of the season, so... That that's probably just that's just a really good educated guess. So, okay. yeah, um, yeah, go check out your jerseys. I think there's a good. There are a lot of teams that just have absolute stinkers, which is sad to see, but it's gonna happen. Uh, Houston's I think is really bad too. My God, Washington's I don't like. There are a lot of really bad ones, um, which makes the good ones <laughs> even better in my opinion because I'm just like, oh, they actually did something really good. Uh, specifically charge and hunters the hunters is sick um okay and then they also dropped the big bomb which i had been uh, anticipating for a while now which is that you have your last chance to buy overwatch one overwatch league skins through march 7th Uh, so you got about two weeks two-ish weeks left here to buy your overwatch one Overwatch League skins, including Philadelphia Fusion skins. The last chance to buy Philadelphia Fusion skins. That is correct. Uh, So, yeah, this will be your last chance because that's right. We're getting Overwatch 2 skins uh, starting, uh, I imagine, March 7th. I imagine that day. So, you'll be able to use your OWL tokens to buy uh, new skins based off the Overwatch 2 skins for every hero. Uh, Yeah. Which will be really cool. So you get like Genji in a hoodie um, with Boston Uprising colors and stuff like that. Which is very fun to see as well as the new heroes because they have yet to get team skins for sale. And we'll finally get our Sojourn, Junker Queen, Ramatra, all that stuff. We'll get all that jazz as well. Super fun. Joe, Joe yeah. are, you, uh, are you hoarding some Philadelphia Fusion skins before they go away? Um, I think I have. I think that's the team that I have the most skins yeah. of. Um, but I may. I don't know. It may only be twelve or fifteen of those that I have. Um, and I and then I have like thirty five hundred tokens or something. Oh wow! Because I and I and I don't I don't know how that happened honestly. Because I I got a lot at the end of last season because they had so much streaming going on obviously. But I feel like there was a jump somewhere. Um, yeah, that's a lot. And. It, 
yeah. Anyway, but at any rate, I that I don't I don't know if I'll uh, get it anymore. I think I may just wait to you know load up on uh, these these new ones when they come out. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I said it on the podcast. But yeah, def- definitely excited to see those. I said it on the podcast. Everyone should start saving up for uh, for the Overwatch Two Owl skins, and they're coming. They're coming, and now there's not really any way to earn tokens right now. You kind of have to wait till the pro am. So, yeah, I imagine they will be getting a lot of viewers on the pro am, just because it's people who want to get those Overwatch League Overwatch Two skins. So that'll be fun. That's yeah, true. All right, the LA Valiant, like I mentioned earlier, have moved back to NA. They are the Los Angeles Valiant again. They are not. A lot of people had. Uh, had some feelings that they were going to be the other team to rebrand uh, because there were some hints that there would be more than one team rebranding not just the Philadelphia Fusion looking like no unless the LA Valiant moved to another city in NA I know Immortals the team that owned them uh, they like to claim themselves as the Great Lakes region uh, uh, esports team the GLR which I guess just means Michigan Minnesota and anyone any state touching a Great Lake uh, which we don't have in, in Overwatch League yet. We do not have a Midwest team, um, which both me and Joe are from the Midwest. So I think we would love that. Uh, but I have a feeling that's not going to happen. Knowing someone who works at Immortals, he told me that, uh, yeah, no one knew about this until the last second. Uh, and that has even been a thing that the current Valiant GM, uh, who was uh, Chinese, they also said they did not know about this until the news broke. So that's just a classic LA Valiant move. Uh, no one's surprised. Their organization's very shitty, and they don't care about Overwatch. They do not. So they just make decisions like this at the last second. But they're back in NHO, which means we get the battle for LA once again. Um, and we get... I wonder how that'll go. <laughs> you got to imagine whoever the LA Valiant is signing at this point. Um, uh, is some of the worst players that NA have to offer... Um, and it might be a team that Paris is able to beat. Who knows what happens, Joe? <laughs> Excited uh, to have the LA Valiant back. I mean, I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference, but it does make the regions e- more even, which is fun to see, I guess. Numbers, numbers yeah, wise. Yeah, more only. even, or at least, <laughs> yeah, they have even numbers. Um, yeah, and it, I suppose, allows more room in the east for contender teams to play uh, if we're just looking for if we're looking for positives here um but yeah I, I don't think there are will be many positives for uh the la valiant i mean if anything um you know based on what we saw in in season five i mean the competition level um likely is higher in north america than uh among some of these other teams particularly with um uh you, you know even just the the number of teams that exist you know there's there's more um uh not only are the are the teams good but there's more good teams in that division so yeah it'll be it'll be it'll be rough it'll be tricky but uh uh there is something to be said for uh at least playing in the same region as the city that you're named after so yeah (laughs) there is something to be said for sure Congrats to them. Um, and then we somehow in the past four weeks have only got two signings. I don't know how that's possible, but it is. And two of those are the Gladiators. So, of course, I can give some behind-the-scenes looks on those signings. Um, and the Gladiators signed Yaki and 
uh, Babel. Uh, Yaki, of course, everyone knows. NYXL Florida Mayhem player previously. Uh, absolute do- absolutely dominant player from Runaway uh, once he came into the league for Florida Mayhem those two years, and then he was on NYXL, a team that absolutely stunk, and he was a lot more inconsistent for sure, uh, as well as his team just being worse in general. So I think there are two camps on Yaki, one camp that thinks he uh, sort of digressed and is not good anymore, and another camp that thinks that he was the only good player on New York last year, and was being held down by uh, his crappy team. And they, those people usually also believe that Florida was also hard carried by Yaki. Um, so, yeah, th- there are usually those two camps. Uh, I'm in the camp that he is very good as someone who got to watch our players' perspective, specifically Shu's perspective, the entirety of our last game versus New York. Yaki was an absolute nuisance uh, to our backline the entire game. And if you don't remember that game, it was a game where New York actually played us super close. And it was because Yaki just completely shut, skewed, and chewed out of the game because he was just uh, on our backs the entire game as Tracer. Uh, so I am in the camp that, that Yaki is a great pickup for the Glads. He has a very similar hero pool to Kevster. Uh, which will be good in a meta where it's like Genji Tracer or something like that. But I think he is a bit more flexible in, in uh, than Kevster in that if we have a Reaper meta like we did in the playoffs last year, Yaki can actually play Reaper. If we have a Sombra meta, uh, Yaki can actually play Sombra. Kevster is one of the best players in the game at Genji, at Tracer, at these heroes. Um, but he does struggle on Reaper. He does struggle on Sombra. Those are just not heroes that he plays. Uh, and I think this is a huge pickup uh, for the Glads to get a player who actually can flex onto those two roles that were important at moments in the year last year. So what are your thoughts on uh, the Yaki signing, Joe? Yeah, uh, it's definitely good to to uh, see him joining a team that, um, you know, you may have said this or at least implied it, but yeah, that um, you know, we'll be able to coalesce around him much more than uh, the teams that we've seen him on, even for you know the last several, um, um, you know, the, the last several rosters we've seen him on. In some cases, um, um, yeah, and you know, makes the gladiators all the more, all the more comfortable. I would think all the more pretty solid, um, and and with with Babel as well, um, you know, with a roster going into this next season. I mean. Um, you know, we knew um, the the core was strong that they kept, um, and the pieces that they were going to add around, um, you know, all the more so. But um, uh, I think it's fair to say not much of that is changing. Yeah, I think this is definitely the best roster Yaki's been surrounded with, and the best coaching staff as well. So this should be his time to shine. If he has a disappointing year, then yeah, he's probably he's probably done, right? So. Uh, then you mentioned Babel as well. Um, the signing came in yesterday. A lot of people were expecting a Violet signing uh, for a second flex support, or um, yeah, second flex support here for the Gladiators. Of course, they also have Lastro, uh, but they come with the Babel. Um, and I think this signing is more skewed esque. I-, I think the Gladiators <clears throat> last year the Gladiators went with very big name signings. The year before that, if you don't, re- if you if you don't recall, um, they went with a very similar off season to what they're having right now, which is a rebuild type of 
go for some uh, value spots more. Um, two years ago, they signed Skewed, who was a very unknown player. And all of a sudden now, Skewed is one of the top sought-after sought supports in the league. I think this Babel signing is very similar to that in that they went for a player that not many other teams were looking at because this is a player that has been in the league before on the London Spitfire as a DPS player. And he, starting since Overwatch 2 came out, he is now a support player uh, and has a an insanely nutty Kiriko and Zen uh, if you go watch his O2 Blast Blade, which is something uh, Shu... He was a good Kiriko, but he was definitely not at the top like he usually is on Ana or Zen or Bap. Uh, so I think that was something that the Gladiators were uh, desperately missing. Uh, so if we get another Kiriko meta, which we one buff might bring her there. And honestly, it might still be a Kiriko meta in competitive because uh, I think she's a very good team-oriented hero that will be good in competitive, maybe not in ranked. So... I think Babel's absolutely huge pickup as far as Kiriko goes. So, yeah, as far as this year goes, uh, I think a lot of Gladiators fans are disappointed on the internet uh, by the roster they're putting together so far. And, yeah, that's just... I, I think we're... Uh, us at the team are all expecting that. These aren't your Violets. This isn't... We didn't keep shoe. It's really upsetting to see takes like Babel. This is a downgrade from shoe. It's like... Yeah, anyone was going to be a downgrade from Shu. <laughs> he was the only support yeah. player to be nominated for MVP. Anyone we would have signed would be a downgrade from Shu. So, uh, yeah, we, we couldn't get Shu, which I think a lot of the, uh, the fans are disappointed about. And, you know, I, I'd i be disappointed too if we couldn't keep our MVP caliber player. But you got to understand, an MVP, MVP caliber player is going to cost a lot more money than Lastro or Babel. Um, players who had the potential to be uh, what we need um, while costing a lot less. So that's a peek behind the curtain, which, you know, that's not something, to, like I say every time, like I, I'm not the GM. I'm not there when they're signing these players. This is just something that I assume is happening as someone who's been a sports fan, esports fan my whole life. Like that's just what some teams do sometimes. They decide. Let's not spend as much money. We don't have infinite money, right? So let's just spend less money um, on some players that have the potential to be as good as the players that would cost more. So uh, that's the strategy the Gladiators are going for right now. And as, if you're a fan, you just have to hope that our coaches and our GM chose the right players that have the potential to be as good as we were last year, because obviously last year was our best year yet. Uh, so we still got the same coaches. Uh, which I think everyone should be super confident in. Face, Hunter, Smash. Face and Hunter both got nominated on our um, helping out with the Australia team. Like, I think this this is a great three, a really good coaching staff, one of the best coaching staffs in the league. So, yeah, I, I think, and obviously we kept Kevster and Funny Astro, which, you know, you imagine those two cost a pretty penny. I don't know our players' contracts, but you got to imagine those two players cost a pretty penny and, um, maybe we just couldn't. We, we were too good last year, Joe. Uh, we we were so good that we made our players cost way too much. So that's just what's, what's going to happen. A uh, little bit of a rebuilding year, but it could turn out really well with the coaching staff and everything we have in place already. You know, so. Oh yeah. And then this just came through while we were recording. 
Uh, Houston has officially uh, taken Violet from the San Francisco Shock. They've got our nuts roster. Uh, speaking of spending money, uh, this is the team that has been <laughs> rumored to have spent uh, the most money. And I would believe that 100%. Uh, their roster is now Pelican, Fearless, Happy, Shoe, Violet, Oof. which is nuts. Um, I am already seeing some takes on Twitter that this team will dominate. Uh, I don't agree. Let's look at some other teams on this <laughs> in the league. I, I don't <laughs> think they will dominate. They're, the shock are nuts. Like so many of these rosters are also nuts. Um, I don't think they will dominate, but I definitely think they will be one of the best teams in the league. Uh, I, I always hate takes that are like, this team will dominate this year. Like, there's a very good chance you're going to be wrong, sir. <laughs> to predict a team will dominate <laughs> is nuts. Um, but yeah, that's an insane pickup. It probably means skewed. The rumors of skewed going to Houston maybe fall have fallen off here. I think getting shoes skewed in Violet would be kind of weird. Overkill. <laughs> um, obviously, Violet played main support most of the year last year so maybe they still do but they having three players share basically the same hero pool is kind of nuts um so yeah uh could be could be a little weird um but great signing obviously violet's nuts everyone was like this is the year that violet is gonna play his worst because he has to be on lucio he picked up lucio and was nuts at it let's be honest so yeah, this is a great pickup for Houston. They spent a lot of money on this roster, and it should do them well, let's be honest. Um, anything to add, Joe? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's you know, <laughs> exactly the right way to think yeah. about it. Um, you know, Presumably they'll have a sixth uh, here by the time the season comes around. But, um, uh, but yeah, it's definitely a great start uh, here for Houston for sure. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think they could just roll with these two supports, honestly, since Violet is so flexible, he could play Lucio uh, as well as double flex meta for you. So I, that's how valuable Violet is, really. Like, he's almost worth the price just because he can be main support and flex support. Like, that's just nuts in Overwatch 2, especially. Uh, so, yeah, you could just roll with these two supports and get another tank because, obviously, like we saw on Dallas, Fearless isn't good for every meta. So maybe you, maybe you go out and get another one of those, or uh, you you go out and get another DPS. But this is an extremely flexible five players. I'll be honest. Besides the tank position, I think Happy and Pelican you can roll with in any meta as well. So yeah, I think Houston has has not has spent their money wisely because they got five or four very flexible players. Fearless is flexible, but I don't think he's flexible enough to play tank the whole year. So maybe you get another tank. Maybe that's who you get. Uh, but yeah, God, that Houston roster. Uh, I gotta say, Joe, I'm also, I also on the Liquipedia page for Overwatch for Overwatch, and I see uh, uh, Butler on the page. I saw the Butler logo. I was like, oh, I know those guys. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I actually made them a page a couple days ago. I did like it's like on the homepage of like the newest page. Yeah, it's on the homepage of uh, upcoming matches uh, because they're in uh, the Varsity Varsity East tournament or whatever. Uh, so yeah, the NA, oh, yeah, sure the NACE. So cool. <laughs> yeah. So I saw that. I was like, oh, uh, but yeah, uh, those, that's the news. And now we get to preview teams. Our 20, first 2023 season preview of the year, Joe, this is going to be a long episode, but we're here for it. Um, 
We're going to start previewing some Western teams so we can get those uh, get those done before the Pro-Am starts. Uh, and then we can get to the Eastern team since they don't have a Pro-Am. Um, but yeah, we'll ha- we'll start. This is We usually do it in reverse order of the standings. Uh, so we have the worst teams from last year going first. Uh, and yeah, the worst team from last year was the uh, Paris Eternal. But they have now renamed themselves to the Vegas Eternal, of course, Joe. Uh, yeah, the Eternal. And we we kind of gave you a little hint to our uh, season preview of them earlier in the uh, episode when we mentioned that they were losing the World Cup Trials teams. But this year, Joe, they didn't make as many changes as a team that... How many teams they win? How many games they won last year? One? That a team that won one win team should have made, probably... Um, they kept Dove, they kept Lucamino, they kept Rack Attack, and they kept Mathel. Uh, while their only addition in during the off season, I should say, was Vulcan. Of course, they added all these players pretty late into the season in August. Rack Attack, Lucamino, Mathel, that is. Um, but yeah, Vulcan only pick up. This is just five players, so we are going to be getting at least one more player uh, from the Paris Eternal or Vegas Eternal. Shoot. Uh, in here Uh, and the other biggest change is Empress as head coach so yeah those are your changes in the off season how did we do this before Joe we gave him an off season grade Um, that was at the very end Um, but we also first we just went through the changes I think and yeah yeah. so what what do you think of these changes Joe (laughs) <laughs> That's a good question. Um, because, you know, obviously this was a team that had some uh, turnover even in the middle of uh, the season. Uh, just looking at the dates here, we had several players leave in uh, August of, of 2022, um, which I suppose was technically end of the season for them, maybe by then. <laughs> I forget exactly when the playoffs were. Um, um, as well as uh, notably losing uh, Glister and Naga there earlier in the year, but um, uh, but specifically, you know, from from the roster they ended the season with dropping Wub and Crowey. Uh, I mean, at this point, it's kind of whatever for for the Paris uh, Vegas of <laughs> Lost Eternalness. Um, um, it, as far as that goes, I mean, maybe. Maybe we just continue to call them Paris as long as they continue to lose. <laughs> I, <love> um, that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, um, but I mean, all that to say, uh, it's it's a it's a team. It's a solid team. Uh, they threw in Vulcan, obviously, for New York that we finally will get to see, um, you know, playing with any kind of consistency. Um, but uh, they definitely have a lot to prove. Uh, I, I mean, even in this. Um, even in this uh, off season already, you know, I think you had mentioned it earlier in the show um, that technically this roster had lost already in the in a you know World Cup Trials tournament. Uh, I mean, that's not a great side. Granted, there's a, you know it could be a whole bunch of other factors at play there, but um, um, but yeah, there, there, there's a lot. Um, uh, in some ways, I mean, nothing that this team has to play for. Like, if there's there's no stakes for this roster, um, but at the same time, like I said, I, I would I would describe them as having a lot to prove uh, going into this season. Absolutely, it, it's gonna have to be. 
This is going to have to be like a London Spitfire type tra transformation. And the biggest reason why the London Spitfire transformation happened was Christopher. So not to put more pressure on Empress, but it's going to be on, have to be on Empress. Because we saw this roster at the end of last year not, not win a single game uh, and not look great. And I don't think Vulcan's really going to make the difference. Um, these players are going to have to have extreme growth to be able to compete in a league that they just could not compete in last year. And even so far seeing them in the preseason, it seems like they just have not had that growth. Obviously, this is super early on. They probably have barely... I don't even think teams have started scrimming yet, Joe. So I don't think they've even... I think this is like almost a scrim for them was the trials. Like they just haven't been playing together. So... Yeah, I think it's a little harsh to judge this team extremely on that, and I am not. I think I'm judging them mostly on how they did last year, how little they have done in the offseason compared to the rest of North America. I think the only team that could give them a run for the money at the bottom of this entire league, uh, or the entire West, I should say, is the Los Angeles Valiant based off whoever they pick up or the Washington Justice based off whoever they pick up because they haven't picked up anyone or New York because they also haven't picked up anyone. So you still have a bunch of rosters in question, but there's no question about the Vegas Eternal right now, Joe. Uh, I think they are one of the worst teams in NA, one of the worst teams in the league, and they have extremely disappointed me this offseason by doing absolutely nothing you at least gotta look like you're trying joe you at least gotta wipe your roster and pick up some other contenders players because those these ones from last year clearly were not working um but they decided to continue to roll with them for some reason so they're gonna have to prove to me that it was the coaching from last year that was the issue it was because they were rookies they're gonna have to prove something here yeah and i mean you know uh, talking about you know, you have to at least pretend that you're going to wipe the roster. I mean, you know, that's, um, you know, Paris's entire history of like, <laughs> that's what this roster, that's what this franchise does uh, is they, they have a season and they the season doesn't go well and they wipe their roster and they, you know, GG go next. And yeah, so to, to not have done that um, in this situation, uh, yeah, definitely is, is unusual again for this franchise, but, you know, beyond that for, the logic of what you would expect a franchise to have done after a season that like they just had um yeah definitely definitely not um not the impression you want to get off you know regardless of what uh is going on or how confident you may be feeling uh or whatever you know within within the franchise within the organization um yeah like i said definitely not the impression you want to be given off even yep, still i completely agree I forgot to mention one of their off-season moves. They uh, they dropped yellow and picked up orange, and I think that was a really bad pickup. <laughs> um, I think they may have they uh, may have yeah. dropped blue as well. Um, yeah, no, their new logo is orange and red, and it's ugly. And orange and red don't go together. And I can't even name a team, sports, anything that's orange and red. Joe, can you? Miami Heat. Uh, well, Miami Heat are yellow, red, and then orange with an accent almost. Yeah, I just I don't. Yeah, kind of, kind of like the Washington Commanders. Are yeah, kinda, but they're more like a. Those colors. They're too, still yellow. Bit. They're like yeah, they got a little yellow going yeah. on. Yeah. 
there's there's a reason orange and red teams don't exist vegas eternals because they're ugly it's an ugly combo (laughs) and they have ignored that they said we want to be the first team to have an ugly color combo and they're doing that and their jersey is also awful uh at least the soul infernal didn't keep their orange with very true very very true the soul infernal infernal yeah they got rid of their orange um orange and black that's like the only you can do orange and blue or you can do orange and black orange and purple is also pretty acceptable sometimes but yeah orange and red it's just rough um all right i think we usually did do you think they're going to do better or worse than last year uh they went they they had one win but i'm still tempted to say worse almost but i don't know the full league yet so that's the only issue yeah, we don't know the full league yet, but I mean, for all the reasons we've been talking about, um, it, it's going to be... Um, I, I mean, this was a conversation we had about teams um, last offseason, too. I know the... Um, you know, in in an offseason where so many of these other teams are making like active strides and, and improvements, um, even, even to stay exactly where you are... Um, really is is to fall behind and that's you know not even counting the fact that this is the you know 2022 paris eternal um excuse me and, and so yeah the the you know they're really setting themselves up to um you know to have a worse off season or have have a worse regular season even just through through inaction as we've been talking about oh yeah definitely um yeah, I mean, maybe this will change. We'll try if the Valiant, Justice, and Excelsior all pick up real stinker of rosters. It seems like New York, based off the rumors that are happening around New York right now, I still think they would have a better roster than Vegas. Um, even if they, it seems like they're going half ass on their like sort of previous decision making. Um, I, I still think they're picking up players that would probably beat this Eternal roster. We have had like no rumors about the justice. I feel like, uh, but I knowing their previous rosters, it feels like they should pick up a team that's better than this. I think realistically, probably the only team that will be worse are the Valiant. Uh, so I, I don't know. It depends how many times they play the Valiant, Joe. That's my answer. Um, I'll go with even. I, I I say they get one win probably. Um, it's a sixteen game season. They'll go one and fifteen. That's my decision. There you go. Yeah, I, yeah. I suppose that's the other uh, thing about having like a longer regular season with fewer tournaments is that we may see more, um, uh, like longer round robins yeah. or you know more like matches between individual teams. So that might yeah. be nice. Um, very interesting. We forgot to even mention they got rid of the point system from last year, which makes it so midseason madness does not matter towards the regular season standings at all again. Which oh, is wonderful. just another weird <laughs> step back because that was something everyone was like, make like obviously tournaments are great for the money, but make them worth something for the regular season because we don't want to have to travel all the way to this place just for the money or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I, I, we dropped that real quick. Overall offseason grade for the Vegas Eternal Joe. This is uh, an easy F for me. I'm going to be get to the point. Yeah, I, I don't know how many Fs I've given out uh, on this show. It feels like very slim amount, but this is just the easiest F uh, in history for me. They did nothing with a roster that won nothing last year. So they literally, these players weren't even around when they got their win. 
Like, that was their previous roster. So, yeah, this is just bad. Yeah, I think that is is absolutely right. Yeah, just like you're saying, you can't do nothing and change nothing and you know, expect anything different than than. Yeah, it's not going to be any yeah. better. Yeah, and it's the exact opposite of the two other teams that are at sort of the bottom of the standings in NA last year that we're about to talk about. So, I think it makes it even more disappointing when we juxtapose them with uh, the Vancouver Titans and Boston Uprising, who we'll talk about now. Um, Vancouver Titans. Yeah, Vancouver Uprising. Um, basically <laughs> stole... As kiss me. Yeah, they basically stole all of the Uprising roster, coaches, everything uh, about the Uprising. Uh, they sort of just, uh, yeah, they took that away um, from them. But last year, the Vancouver Titans, uh, they didn't too, like, too... Sh- too bad they ended up getting five wins they went they went they went five and 19 i thought it was a lot worse for this team but yeah they 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 got some wins especially towards the end of the year um when they were making some roster moves and some uh adjustments that that sort of helped them out as well as a coaching adjustment and picking up Depay. that you know you have a legitimate legitimate coach at the at the helm you're actually going to get some uh some good play from your from your players uh, they did end up dropping Depay in the offseason, by the way, and picking up Askoft, who was the interim head coach, the replacement of Laurie for the Boston Uprising last year. He will be keeping his head coaching spot, and that is mainly because uh, his former coaching assistant coach, Baroy, is still the general manager for the Vancouver Titans. So he got those two teaming up together. Love them. Love the boys. I miss those two a ton. If you don't remember, I worked for the Uprising at some point, and those two were a huge part of the vlogs I made over there. Uh, super funny and nice dudes who know a lot about Overwatch. So, And they clearly, with Laurie stepping down, Askoff was able to show how well he knew Overwatch and how well he deserved to be a head coach. Uh, and as general manager, Broy was able to grab some of those players from the Uprising. Two that he liked a... a ton in punk and faith um if you didn't know baroy is the creator of winston's lab uh the that was like the og way that we got all our stats um so he was huge on stats he was basically the analyst for the uprising and would keep track of all the stats in the league through scrims and through league play and everything and according to him punk and faith were just two of the best players statistically in the entire league, at least the last year I was there, which was their rookie year uh, in 2021, 2021. Uh, last year, both those players were still extremely good. I mean, Punk, you could see whenever he came in, that was when the Uprising won. <laughs> whenever he was out, that was when the Uprising lost. And that was just a huge stat right there, you felt. Uh, so they get Punk as their tank. Uh, they get Faith, one of the best main supports in the league, statistically, according to Roy's stats. They get Crimzo, who also made a huge impact for the Uprising last year in Houston before that. Uh, and then they combine them with Aspire, who is definitely was the best player on the Vancouver Titans last year. He's previously with the Toronto Defiant in 2021. Uh, of course, an American Tornado player originally, as well as Sugar Free, uh, also an American Tornado player, uh, as well as Fusion Academy, Atlanta Academy, has just been making the rounds uh, in contenders until he finally turned 18 this past year. 
Uh, so he is finally able to play in the league. Um, he is a DPS player. So he's just been making his contenders rounds until he finally can make the league. So I think a lot of people are excited about Sugar Free now that he is finally able to play in the league. So yeah, you got that Sugar Free, Aspire, Punk, Faith, Crimson lineup right now. Uh, of course, you need one more player in there. Uh, and you gotta, you gotta say, probably going to get another flex support if they're only getting one player. I think Punk is pretty flexible to the point where you uh, are fine with having him as a solo tank for now. Uh, but maybe another tank. Who knows what they're going to do. Um, but uh, yeah, this is basically an entirely new Vancouver squad that I I personally uh, am going to rate pretty highly um, as my first general impressions. I think that Boston Uprising team towards the end of the year was really competing uh, and arguably should have been in the playoffs over some of the other teams that ended up making it or play-ins over some of the other teams that ended up making it. So, yeah. Um, Joe, what do you think about their offseason? Yeah, it's definitely been uh, definitely been a solid one for Vancouver. Um, probably the biggest highlight um, th- that I would have, other than, again, obviously the the, the Boston impression and the uh, the steps that they've taken, um, on, you know, to, to pull over talent from that route, from that uh, uh, team, from that franchise. Uh, but also then to highlight uh, Sugar Free, as you've mentioned, um, just turned eighteen in December. Um, I mean, he's been. Um, he's been you know a big name in uh sort of t- uh, tier two overwatch for for years i mean it's for um you know like four or five years at least uh talking about is the youngest player ever signed to a professional overwatch team um uh specifically atlanta academy when uh when he was 13 years old um and and i remember the um uh, you know the it seems like it's been every off season since you know there's been laments of you know oh, we haven't we haven't seen sugar free yet uh, we don't know where he's gonna um land in this league and so to uh to finally have him find a spot here on the vancouver titans um i feel like there's definitely gonna be a lot of eyes on this player um as he's uh playing here alongside aspire um but i mean i but uh, the other highlights um that i would mention would definitely be punk which you already which you already had certainly brought up, um, um, but, but yeah, that's potentially uh, you know new new franchise for him, new situation potentially. Uh, maybe he ends up getting used in different ways. Maybe uh, you know he's able to you know finally find the the fulfilling season that he's been waiting on uh, with the Boston Uprising that's never really come. Um, uh, and that's that's definitely going to be worth uh, uh, watching and and seeing how. Uh, those steps go for him as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Sugar Free for sure. Uh, with a year that's like not too rookie heavy in comparison to previous years, I think a lot of uh, teams were favoring veteran talent over rookies. Um, he could be a sleeper rookie of the year pick. I think everyone's eyes are obviously uh, over towards the shock signings and like Max and uh, stuff like that, but. Sugar Free could easily just be a um, <clears throat> a sleeper rookie pick. He finally gets to be in the Overwatch League uh, now that he's turned 18. So exciting. Uh, excited for this uh, Vancouver Titans roster. Do you think better or worse than last year, Joe? Uh, I think it's – I think it 
uh, is going to be better. It's, it's fair to say I sort of stumbled through saying that, but but I, I think I can confidently say that. Um, um, obviously, the the potential we've we've talking uh, we've, we've spoken about uh, these players, you know, for a long time talking about the potential is there. Um, in lots of ways, never was quite. Um, uh, quite enabled, never quite uh, got there in some ways um, on the Boston Uprising, but um, to, to, to taking some setbacks, uh, taking some steps back, looking at uh, things from a new perspective, uh, throwing in sugar free, throwing in Aspire, um, you know, we, we, we may well uh, see some good things out of this roster. And again, yeah, certainly, uh, particularly with all these other N18s we were talking about that um, may be a little suspect, uh, I suspect uh, we may see some some good uh step ups here for i agree i'm also going better i think this uh roster should uh provide some good uh some good wins i I don't know if there's gonna be like top tier or anything but i i I definitely think this is uh one of the better rosters vancouver has had since that big old collapse when they had runaway back in the day so don't think it reaches those heights but i still think it's definitely one of the better rosters they fielded uh, off season grade, Joe. What would you give him? Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, we've still we've got five players on this roster announced. Uh, we may because they're they're supposed to have six. Yeah, they right? have to have six, so they will have at least so, one more player. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, but yeah, so we don't obviously we don't know who or what role that'll be potentially yet, but um, uh, but all that being said, definitely a solid start. Um. Uh, we haven't yet said uh, the talent is there yet on one of these podcasts, but uh, we're bringing it back from last season. Uh, solid, solid start. The talent is there. Um, in terms of uh, you know the upgrades they made and the changes they have, I mean this is a solid like B B plus roster. I think uh, in terms of the improvement specifically, I mean um, that you know that's not to say that um, I mean compare them to the Houston Outlaws we were just talking about. Like there's definitely going to be a, a pretty um i don't know it feels bad to say pretty substantial but a, a noticeable you know uh paper gap there but um but uh yeah in terms of just you know taking the off season to to be better and to hopefully uh hit a good reset button i mean that's that's um like i said bb plus performance i think here for vancouver for sure yeah i'm gonna agree with you all yeah i'll go b i'm more like it's low it's a low b for me I think maybe you could have done more, but I think it's a very good sign that you got three of these uprising players and that they still want to play together too. We didn't mention that. Like uh, Punk Faith, Crimzo, especially Punk Faith. These these players have been playing with each other for a, a pretty long time at this point. Um, this is going to be their third season together, second season together for Crimzo to choose to play with these players and Askoft as a coach again, I think says a lot about how confident they are that they can reach a higher potential. Um, because you know, these players have some, these are some high skilled players. I imagine some, some, uh, some teams that and franchises that have had more success in the past than the Vancouver Titans offered these, offered these players some money. And the fact that punk faith Crimzo decided to go with Baroy, who they have worked with before and decided to go with Askoff says a lot about how confident they are that like, no, this can work. Um, because usually if players have, years like the uprising had and like like the uprising had for the entirety of when they've been there usually you just give up and you're like well 
team difficult next i want to find new new teammates but the fact that these players are so level-headed that they're like no we can do this like they clearly work well together they clearly like each other uh they clearly they they want an opportunity to show that they can win together which is cool to see um so yeah this could i mean if they do well this is a really good offseason for the titans because i imagine those players don't cost too much either so yeah um Speaking of the Uprising, that's the other team we are previewing here today. And they had a nuts offseason. They changed pretty much everything. Uh, so let me take the listener and you, Joe, through their entire offseason. Huh. Okay, so if you didn't know, um, this uh, the Uprising are obviously they're owned by Kraft Sports, Robert Kraft. It was run by him and through them up until about a month into last season where they... Uh, gave uh, operations to Oxygen Esports. You've probably heard of them if you've been paying attention to Valorant, Apex. They're in, like, almost everything at this point. Uh, Rainbow Six, all that stuff. They, uh, even Call of Duty, um, they took over. Uh, according to the people over at Oxygen, they took over a bit too late to the point where they didn't have time to clean house, sort of, which is what they wanted to do. This offseason, they took that opportunity. They cleaned house. Uh, they got rid of every player. They got rid of all the coaches. Uh, they got rid of everybody. Uh, and they brought on uh, a new GM in pre, previously the Washington Justice GM. Uh, and they brought on a whole new staff. They brought on uh, Dong Su as their head coach, uh, previously assistant coach for the Shanghai Dragons. And... They brought in Supreme as the assistant general manager. Of course, Pre has to bring Supreme around for some reason, uh, despite the fact that, in my opinion, he was the reason why an insanely talented Washington Justice team sucked. Uh, so that guy's still around somehow. Um, and then, of course, they brought around, I don't know, you know, just some players you may have heard of, Joe. I, I, I don't know if you've if you've heard of any of them, but if you go to the Liquipedia page, you have a combined one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Overwatch League championships between these players. Eight Overwatch League titles on this roster. You got Bird Ring, you got Striker, you got Decay, you got Smurf, you got Lee J. Gong, you got Iziaki, you got Kalios, and you got Twilight. Wow. Eight players, super decorated. And all of legendary status. Bird Ring, he left Overwatch League last year. He came back uh, once Overwatch 2 came out. Uh, he went to Valorant. He came back to, to Overwatch. He's loving it. Striker, who is now, this is his third time on the Boston Uprising. Uh, it's nuts that he is back again. Uh, Decay, of course, who has been one of the most legendary DPS players in the history of this league. Um, a little underwhelming of a year last year, in my opinion, uh, with the Justice. He is back again. Smurf, absolutely nutty year with the Soul Dynasty last year. He joins the Uprising. Lee J. Gong and Izaki, the support duo for the Shanghai Dragons, who won that championship, of course, and are still a great support line. Uh, they joined Twilight, of course, who is, you know, has been dominant in this league since he was on the Vancouver Titans. Uh, went to the Shock, still did really well. And then with the Toronto Defiant, was arguably their best player last year with Cho Rong on the roster. Pretty nuts. Uh, and then uh, 
you got Kalios, who was on the Uprising at some point, actually. Um, he returns again um, to the Uprising after being in contenders for a little bit, then joining New York, then joining Washington, then ret- then, uh, or, I mean, then coming over to the Boston Uprising. So he's just the one player that sort of comes over with Pre from the Justice, uh, almost. Alongside Decay, of course. This is a nuts off season, Joe. This has got to be probably this definitely has to be the most hype we have ever been in the preseason for a Boston Uprising roster. Give me your initial thoughts. Any player you think is going to have like an insanely standout year? Any player you think is maybe going to be a bit overhyped? <laughs> because I think there are a couple of those on this roster. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, it's funny talking about you know what's a player that's going to have standout year. I mean, hopefully all of them, as far as that goes. Um, I know we talked about it when um, these signings were initially announced uh, back in December or January or whenever we um, did that show, uh, and I joked about it then, and I'll joke about it now. That as I've said for the last several off seasons, this is probably the best off season the Boston Uprising have ever had. Um, but I think this one will be pretty hard to top as far as that goes. Um, yeah, bringing in uh, literally just the, you know the bigger like powerhouses from their respective teams. I mean, um, it's, it's literally you know I mean we joke about you know collecting the Infinity Stones, building a super team. You know I mean that's basically what the Boston Uprising have done here. Um, and the question will be how and and how effectively and how efficiently they're able to put all those together then um um but i mean you know pulling from the east pulling from the west i mean (laughs) there's a lot to be said and there's a lot that has been said about um this roster but um the 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 net effect is uh it's gonna be a a great off season this can be a great you know season season for them um, and certainly whether or not this this roster ends up being um, you know the best in in the West the best in North America and there's definitely an argument to be to be made that it could um, uh, you've got to think this is um, you know at least the roster to beat now in terms of um, you know the way um, uh, teams are preparing the way um, you know competitively or just in in image you know if you can beat this roster um, you can you can beat anything honestly um this is just like the legend house of overwatch league right here there's there's so many legends on this roster uh for you know for the next segment of do we think we're going to do better or worse how'd they end up doing last year let me let me take a look real quick but to talk in general um this absolutely should be a better they had a pretty horrific um start to the season last year which was tail ended by a good good ending um to make their record look a little bit more shiny um but they ended up going 10 and 14 overall getting close to that 500 mark uh but surely this is a better with this with this roster right joe I would think so. Uh, I know you had sort of introduced this as we're sort of going in like reverse order of uh, season five performance, and that's true. Uh, but we did skip a lot of teams that you know they have no roster or anything like that. So this is uh, one of the uh, one of the lower ranking teams in North America that has what we can probably safely assume to be a, a full roster that's been announced. Um, 
but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, not even 500 last season. I mean, they're going to hit that. You know, like, minimum, I would be, I would, like, minimum 500. It's like, I don't think this roster is going to break oh, a sweat. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think they should, t- teams should do better um, than that. Than getting 10th, just barely making play-ins and then unable to make it into playoffs. I think this is definitely one of the top teams who will be competing with another with other top teams it's just a question of can they compete with those top teams uh off-season off-season grade joe um yeah i mean we've 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 gotten the whole gamut we've got an f we've got a a b i think um the boston just kind of has to have an a for their off-season here um uh, I don't know if I've ever given an A plus. Uh, they 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 may get an A plus. I'm trying to think. There may be a couple teams that could get an A plus potentially, um, but uh, yeah, A A plus for here for sure. And then the the question will be. I know you you highlighted you highlighted it too, but I'll I'll say it again. Um, is the 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 question will be how uh, how easy will it be? How difficult will it be? Um, you know, for this for this roster to be mismanaged into, you know, well below uh, our expectations. That's hard to say. Uh, we'll have to see how, um, you know, obviously the season yeah. starts, but um, but the talent yeah. is there. I mean, I that's my only worry. I give him an A, but because you kind of have to because this player talent. But you just remember the Washington Justice roster at some point the pre picked up was like basically they just took all the scraps of like the titans implosion so a lot of runaway alongside decay and like some just nuts players and they were mid they were just unapologetically mid and it was nuts to see those players just be mid um and it was like how how is this happening they were like hyped up to be one of the best rosters that year that's my only worry looking at the talent this tank line in smurf Specifically Smurf, I think Kalios is alright. But Smurf is nuts. Uh, and this support line should be absolutely nuts. The only question is with their DPS line, in my opinion. Because I think Strikers coming off of like a better than we thought gear on the shock there at the end. I thought he did pretty well, but I don't think he was like proper level. Or like, he was one of their worst DPS, in my opinion. Um, Decay had, I think, his worst year yet. And then Bird Ring hasn't played pro uh, overwatch in like over a year so these three are big names but they haven't like been at the top of their game in a while let's be honest so yeah i'm a little worried about those three and their dps line that is their weak spot and the only place they could sort of falter uh but they're still pretty this is still a nuts roster and they should do they should be competing towards the top like i said uh so i give them an a this is a good direction for the uprising they clearly had money to finally spend now that oxygen is at the helm so good on them um good on them for competing so yeah that's it those are our first three teams we are previewing um going forward we will be previewing three teams per show we'll have another show next week uh joe is going to be uh out for a couple weeks there uh and then we will we will be getting back to the team previews as well as pro-am stuff uh up to the beginning of the regular season so Stick with us. Oh, yeah. It's like 10 or 12 weeks. Yeah, uh, we're getting there. We're getting there.
Uh, thank you all for listening to this gigantic episode. If you want to follow us on Twitter, my Twitter is at JWGeorgeIV. Joe's is at Kirkpatrick underscore Inc. INC. And our show's Twitter is at On The Flank Show. You're listening to this in one way. If you want to listen to it in a different way, go to on the flankpodcastco or on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Thank you all for listening uh, and continue to enjoy this amazing patch in Season 3 of Overwatch.